Welcome to The Corey Lee Show, where our focus is on building leaders and transforming culture. My name is Corey Lee, and in each episode, I aspire to ignite something on the inside of you that encourages you to grow yourself and to make an impact on the world around you. Welcome to The Corey Lee Show. Welcome back to the Corey Lee Show. Hey, excited about this episode today. This episode today was actually a teaching and a training I did with a group of awesome leaders. Um, it was actually a women's faith-based group. They are a bunch of leaders who lead different kind of ministries, and they asked me to come in and speak on leadership. And so this is kind of the teaching that I shared with them, and it's about equipping, equipping the saints. When you look at Ephesians 4, it says that Jesus himself gave to the church apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, and their purpose really was to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so today's lesson is really on equipping. What is equipping? And so for some of you guys that have followed me in the leadership stuff, you know, I talk about this a lot, that there are five steps to the equipping process. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about it from the lens of faith. And so let's jump in. Excited to share this with you. And I'm going to start off with a verse of scripture. Uh, It's 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. And this is talking about really the heart posture of leaders. And so if faith is not your thing, if you don't feel like you lead in in the area of faith, that's all good. This is still the kind of heart posture that you need in leading other people. You and I need to lead other people, not out of compulsion or having to, or to see what we can get things from them, but how can we develop them? How can we add value to them? How can we bring out the best in them so we can bring out the best in that around us. So here we go. First Peter 5, 1 through 4. To the elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Jesus, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not out of compulsion, but willingly, Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. I love what he says, not out of compulsion, but willingly. See, there's that heart posture that's required to lead others to heights they've never seen before, to help lead them into intimacy with the Father. And it's not a heart posture of compulsion. It's not, I've got to, but I get to. Not I have to, but I want to. Uh, I was reading the other day in Exodus, and God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But God says something interesting. He said, uh, God tells Moses, I know Pharaoh is not going to let them go unless it is out of compulsion, unless I make him let them go unless I break his heart of stone. So we lead not out of compulsion of having to, well, I dread doing this and I dread doing that, but willingly. You know, if I were to, if you and I were just to be chilling, maybe at the coffee shop, and I were to ask you, what do you see as the biggest problem with leaders today? Think about that. Leaders today, leaders in government, leaders in faith, leaders in business, it doesn't matter the area, but what do you see as the biggest problem 
with leaders today. And as I've gotten the opportunity to work with leaders all over the country, and obviously we as leaders all have things that we're working on, but one of the biggest issues I see with leaders today is insecure leaders. We are insecure in our ability to lead. See, when I am insecure in my own ability to lead, if me and you are on the same team and I'm leading you, but I'm insecure in my own self and I see talent and potential within you, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure to position you in such a way that you need me. I'm only going to give you just enough information. I'm going to give you just enough tools. I'm going to give you just enough resources so that you can get your job done or do the thing that you need to do. But if you need to go above and beyond that, you got to come through me. You need me. But see, when I become secure in my ability to lead, no longer do I, I am I concerned with being needed. Now I want to be succeeded. I want to see you grow. I want to see you succeed. So I'm going to give you all the tools. I'm going to give you all the resources. I'm going to give you all the information you need to not only do your job, but to succeed. Because your success does not take away from my success. I, and and if and if you are to go on to climb higher mountains than me, you go on with your bad self, right? I want you to do that. I want you to succeed because at the same time, I'm going to keep climbing my mountain. But as I'm climbing, I'm pulling other people up too. See, the people we lead, they've got three questions that we've got to be able to answer as leaders. And the first question is, do you care about me? Do you even care about me? You know, people can tell if you're just putting up with them or just tolerating them, or if you truly care about them, you can as well. You can tell if people are just putting up with you, if they're just tolerating you, or if they actually care about you. And so do you care about me kind of speaks into how do we see people? What's the lens through which we see and look at other people? Do I see people as projects that need to be fixed? They just broke. Do I see them as obstacles in my way, get out the way. I got, you know what? I got people to see. I got places to go and you just off in my way <laughs> or objects to be used for my own purposes. Do you even care about me? As something I've heard John Maxwell say, the moment you stop caring about the people you lead, you know, that's the moment you need to get on out of leadership because no longer will you serve them. You'll start to abuse them and use them. And so this comes down to how do we see other people? The second question is, can you help me? See, people want to be a part of winning teams. And the thought is, is if I come underneath your leadership, you're going to help me win because you're a winner. People want to come underneath your leadership because they see you succeeding. They see you doing things. And the expectation is that you're going to help them grow as well. Uh, when I was in the Boy Scouts, we would go camping and we had this phrase at the campsite. Whenever we packed up to leave, and the phrase was, you got to leave it better than you found it. And I believe we need to bring that phrase over into the lane of leadership. That if anybody comes underneath my leadership, no matter how long or the time frame, that they experience growth. That they are better when they leave than when they came. Whether it's 18 years, 18 months, or 18 days, they experience some kind of growth for having been underneath my leadership for a time. The last question is, is can I trust you? I love this question here. Can I trust you? See, trust is the foundation of all relationships, but it's really the foundation of all leadership as well. And I want you to think about if you've ever experienced 
Um, maybe you've been underneath leadership, whether on a sports team or work team, where trust was broken, where the leadership did something that broke trust. And think about that moment and how engaged were you when you when you were underneath that leader? Probably not very engaged, right? Because you couldn't trust them. And what trust says is, can I trust you enough to give you my best? Can I trust you enough to give you my best? See, when there's a low trust or a lack of trust, there's always a reservation. There's always some kind of holding back. So trust is what brings out the best in people. I like what Peter says right after that. He says, don't lead for dishonest gain, but eagerly. And see, this poses the question of why. Why do you lead? Why do you want to be in leadership? Why are you looking for a title or a position? Why, why do you want people to follow you? Is it for the perks? Is it for the power, the prizes? See, some people, they like the perks of being a leader, but they don't want to pay the price. And the price is in service to other people. It's bringing out the best in others. And what I have found is most everybody starts on the borrowed belief of other people. Every single great person I've read about, every single great person I've met, and even in myself, they all say the same thing. He believed in me before I believed in me. She believed in me before I believed in me. People start on the borrowed belief of other people. One of my favorite quotes, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you've probably heard me say it a few times, but it's treat a man as he appears to be and he remains the same. But you treat him as if he were what he should and could become, then eventually he'll become what he should and could become. What this means is if, if you and I are interacting and I'm leading you, if I treat you based off of what I see on the physical appearance, if I see you based off of what I see and what I know about your past, then I leave you unchanged. But if I treat you based off of how, how the Lord sees you, and if I change my perspective, and if I keep calling you higher, if I keep elevating your eyes, eventually you're going to believe it. Um, I don't know if, if any of you guys have watched the Netflix series called Swamp. I think it's Swamp Kings. I don't know. But it's about the Florida Gators. And it, it follows them in their national championship, um, how many ever years ago. But it's got Tim Tebow on there. And Tim Tebow, he's telling the story about his mom when she was pregnant with him, that the doctor said, you know what? The baby's compromised, that if you try to have this baby, the baby's going to die and you're going to die too. You need to abort. You need to abort the baby. And Tim Tebow's mom obviously chose not to, but he said growing up, his mom and dad always said, you are our miracle baby. You are going to do incredible things. Think about that. He said, you know, if you're told that over and over and over and over and over again, eventually you believe it. Treat a man as he appears to be and he remains the same. See, we want to elevate people. We want to increase their expectation for their own lives. Y'all take zero talent to call out the dirt in the lives of other people. Anybody can do that. Anybody can call out the dirt in the lives of other people. Leaders not only call out the dirt, what they are really doing is introducing people to their potential. Most people are familiar with the dirt in their lives, but they've never had anybody introduce them to the potential. That's what leaders do. They bring out the best in other people. Finally, Peter says, don't lord over those you lead, but be an example. 
one of the worst phrases ever worded is do as I say, not as I do. If you've ever heard that phrase, just say boo. Boo, that's the worst phrase ever. People will always do what you do. If you've got small kids, you know that to be true, right? They may not believe what you say, but they'll 100% remember what you do. In reality, the only right that you and I have to say if follow me is to be someone worth following, to be somebody worth following. So let's jump into this. Here's Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 is talking about equipping the saints. That Jesus himself has given these roles and these responsibilities. And I think, um, you know, too many people get caught up in titles, apostle this and prophet that. And and, and I'm all good with all that. Teachers and um, pastors, evangelists, people get too much caught up in the title instead of the function. And see, leadership is not about titles and positions. It's It's about influence. It's our ability to influence other people. And so titles just kind of speak to our function. And so it says Jesus gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, but their role was to do something. And that's to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so here's what I want to talk about the next just few minutes is how do we create a leadership culture where people are empowered and are empowering other people? where there's this continual equipping down process. In the church world, we call this discipleship. In leadership, we call it equipping. And and there's five steps to the equipping process. It's I do it, I do it, you watch me, you do it, I'll watch you, you do it, somebody else watches. I'm sorry, here here we go, I'm going to rephrase that. I do it, I do it, you watch me. You do it, I watch you, you do it, you do it, somebody else watches you. There's this continual equipping down. And so... And Jesus models this perfectly throughout the Gospels. So number one, I said, is I do it. The first step in equipping other people to do something is I do it. If I'm going to teach you how to do something, then I need to be doing it myself. See, if if I'm trying to tell you to do something that I'm not doing, then I'm more of like a professor in college than somebody who's living it out. If I'm good at something, you know what that does? That positions me perfectly to teach you how to do it. Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Jesus was fully God, he was fully man, and he experienced everything that we've experienced. He, was, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out some demons. He destroyed the works of the enemy. He revealed the Father and he preached the gospel. He did it. Number one as I do it. Number two is I do it. You watch me. I do it. You watch me. And then I do it. You watch me. This is where I'm doing it. And you're kind of like a fly on the wall. You're watching what I do. And I want you to position yourself as a student. I'm teaching and you're watching but you're watching as a student and as a learner. And I'm showing you what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, why I'm doing it. And and what I want to do is I want to teach you how to think, not just what to think. And it's interesting that Jesus spoke many parables to many people and said some uh, pretty wild things, right? Like some pretty out there things that offended a lot of people. But it was those who drew near that gained understanding of what he was actually saying. In this phrase, I... I want you to know 
like I said, it's getting you to know how to think, not just what to think. I want to begin to empower you in how to think. I want to read you John 6, 1 through 6. And this is very popular verse of scripture here. This is the feeding of the 5,000. But this is really something powerful here. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, were near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, get this, he said to Philip, where shall we buy some bread for these folks? Where shall we buy bread that these people may eat? But then check out the next verse. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Now, come on. Now, why in the world would Jesus ask a question to one of his disciples that he himself already knew the answer to? Why would he do that? I, well, let me ask you this. If you got children... Why do you sometimes ask your children something that you already know the answer to? Why do we do that? <laughs> um, in the Passion Translation and the Message Version of this same verse of Scripture, it says that he asked him to stretch his faith. That's powerful. See, here's the thing. Here's, here's the point. Jesus knew that he had a short amount of time on earth with his disciples, and these very disciples would be the very ones carry on the gospel message after he ascended into heaven, and he wanted them to start thinking from a heavenly perspective to offer heavenly solutions to earthly challenges. See, he was unlocking a new perspective for them. See, they had some options, right? If they wanted to feed these people, they had some options. They could turn the people away and say, hey, go on to your house. They could buy a small amount of food to offer just a few. They could just tell everybody to head back to their house and maybe grab something on the way. But all those options were in their own wisdom, in their own understanding. And they did not meet the need of the moment. They didn't meet the need of the people in the moment. See, you and I, we have the mind of Christ. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 1 says that we've been given every single blessing spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we too can offer heavenly solutions to earthly problems. Jesus is trying to get his disciples to learn how to think from a heavenly perspective. As he is preparing his disciples to carry out this kingdom message, the gospel of the good news of the kingdom, that they would need to think from heaven's perspective to offer heavenly solutions to earthly problems, challenges, and opportunities. I do it, you watch me. The third one is you do it, I watch you. See, this is where I say, hey, here's the ball. You give it a go. I give you an opportunity. And y'all, I found that most of us, we don't even know what we're capable of until given an opportunity. In, in leading others, many times we don't even know what they are capable of until we've given them an opportunity, until we create and give them an opportunity. So you do it, I watch you. This is where you're doing it, and I'm watching you, and I'm positioning myself as a coach and a mentor. I'm watching what you do. I'm I'm kind of maybe asking questions, but it's you do it, and I'm giving you some feedback. Jesus did this. See, Jesus sent out the 12, and then later on, later on, he sent out the 70. He said, go, go, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons. You do the stuff. You've been watching me, and I don't know if you anybody else, 
you know, if you've ever watched The Chosen, I love The Chosen. The Chosen's good stuff. But there's a scene in The Chosen where it's showing this and where Jesus is sending out the 12 and they're all, they're all, you know, gathered around. They're like, wait, hold, what? Hold up a second. What? You want us to go preach? You, you want us to go, go heal people? Like, what do we even say? <laughs> and he's like, what you heard me say. And then, then I love what one of them says, like, um, did I miss a ceremony or something? Because I don't feel anything. And in this scene, Jesus says something very powerful. He said, I don't need you to feel anything. I just need you to know that I sent you. In Luke 10, 17, it talks about whenever he sends out the 70, this is what it says. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. How about that? You do it. I watch you. Here's number four. You do it. It's yours. I empower you. You have the responsibility and you also have the authority. You know, here, here's the thing on leadership, all right? If 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 I've been given the, the responsibility for something, I also want the authority to do it because if I have the responsibility, but I lack the authority, then now I'm going to be micromanaged. I'm really not empowered. I'm just supposed to be doing some stuff that I'm responsible for. And so if if I've been given the responsibility, I also want the authority to do it. But speaking of Jesus, it says just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he huddled his team up, right? This is what he says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, go. See, the authority I have, I give to you. Go. Go in my name as my ambassadors in your generation. I want you to think about this from a work standpoint just for a moment. At work, if you have that authority, but you you don't have, or if you have that responsibility, but you don't have that authority, then you're just doing the stuff, right? You're just doing it. You don't you don't really have any say so in how it's supposed to be done or when it should be done, or uh, you just being micromanaged. See, you do it in the kingdom is an invitation to partner with him to see heaven invade earth. It's an invitation. He typically won't force us to partner and participate, but man, what a shame if he's inviting us to join him in seeing families and cities and states and entire nations come into the kingdom, but we lay down our responsibility. How about that? Number five, it doesn't stop there, all right? It's you do it. Somebody else watches you. There's this continual equipping down process. See, great sports teams have great depth. And this is where we take it and we continue to empower others. When Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, go. He continued with go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus had an inner circle. That inner circle began to tell and disciple other people. Those other people did the same thing until the good news of the kingdom has reached our ears, your ears, and my ears here in 2024. And now we hold the baton, and it's our turn to run our leg of the race. You know, Hebrews, it talks about 
this great cloud of witnesses. These are people who've had this baton of faith and they ran their race within their generation. I love what it talks about in David. It says in David, when he had served all of God's purposes in his generation, he died. He fell asleep. See, their turn has passed on to us. Now we hold the baton of faith. It is our turn to run the race and they're cheering us on. I hope today has encouraged you. I hope today has empowered you. I want you to know that you are a leader and you've called, you've been called to develop and empower other people. So when we equip other people, it's I do it. I do it. You watch me. You do it. I watch you. You do it. You do it. Somebody else watches you. Hey, I hope today has added value to you. If it has, please make sure to share it. Make sure that you comment. Make sure you subscribe. So you can stay up to date with any of the latest episodes of The Corey Lee Show. Hey, I hope today you have a great day and God bless. Three, two, one. Okay. Thanks for joining me today. I hope I have added value to you. And if you have found value in this episode, let me know. Drop a comment and make sure you share with a friend or family member. See you next episode.